when you were first starting this, did you have, I would imagine you had another job to help finance this or how did you, how did you start financially? Yeah. Um, so I invested 800 bucks. (laughs) I had $800, um, saved up from college and basically I invested that. I bought, I think all of our shirts at the time came out to like 730 something bucks. And, you know, so I had what, 60 bucks left over and basically everything that we made just reinvested into the company, mm-hmm. you know, put in another order. But yeah, so at, at the time, um, you know, I was my, growing up, my brother always cut my hair. And, yeah. you know, once I went off to college, um, you know, my going away gift for my brother was a, a clipper set from Walmart. And so I started cutting my hair, bro. Like I said, it was, it was absolutely awful. It was, it was worst haircuts you can imagine. <laughs> and, um, after about two years, you know, I, I started cutting, you know, a few guys on the football team at St. Thomas. And by the time that I left St. Thomas, um, I was cutting about 120 people. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so basically the, the way that it happened is I was cutting, you know, our, some of our teammates in our locker room. And uh, so the, the first, you know, couple of weeks that I got at St. Thomas, you know, um, you know, you go through camp and at the end of the camp, you have mm-hmm. picture day. So I brought my clippers there. And at this time I was cutting my hair for about two years. So um, I, I was getting much better than when I first started. <laughs> and, you know, I was cutting my hair at, you know, after one of the practices at like 9 p.m. And a couple guys are like, hey, Josh, like, can you cut my hair? Like, I need to look fresh tomorrow for pictures. So I was like, sure. Anyways, um, you know, next week school started, you know, I was cutting a couple guys and I commuted from Chicago to St. Thomas, which is in St. Paul, about 40 minutes from me. So um, it usually costs $40 a week for gas. And, you know, cutting those guys, you know, I would make enough to, you know, commute back and forth. So I was like, hell yeah, you know, it's perfect. Um Anyways, cutting these guys in our locker room, Coach Crusoe, head coach at St. Thomas was like, Josh, you got to get out of the bathroom. So in the bathrooms, you have these mats, right, that they're probably like an inch high, but they have these um, holes in them, right, so mm-hmm. water can get through them so that they're not slippery. And hair would get stuck in there. And just, like, <laughs> pain in the ass for people who had to clean it up. So I'd go into the public bathroom. And so the way that the public bathroom is set up is if you if you're someone uh, a student and you're going to go work out yeah. you have to go through the public bathroom to like change or you know where the lockers are and right when you walk through there's a there's like two big ass mirrors where like mm-hmm. the sinks are and that's where i'd set up shop so i'd cut people right there and everyone that would you know walk through had to walk right past me and so like i said for the first month you know i was cutting two or three people and um you know, I'd have like the same people like walking past. And they would always like look at me, not really say much. And then finally, you know, you get a couple that'd be like, hey, man, like you cut hair for like everyone. And I'd be like, you know, yeah, like, you know, just add me on, you know, Instagram, Snapchat, mm-hmm. whatever. And it started, you know, picking up. Right. So I would get, you know, two clients a week. Then I'll get four clients a week, you know. And like I said, by the end of it, I was getting, you know, probably yeah, cutting around 100 to 120 people um every week no 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 in total probably yeah probably like 30 people a week Um, st thomas actually brought like a camera crew in there (laughs) you can find it on (laughs) um, you can find it on the internet they brought a camera crew and like videotaped me and did like an interview about like me, me cutting hair in there so that was like my number way number one way of making money um back then cutting people's hair um, between classes and you know obviously I 
skip some classes to do that as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I basically took that money and invested that into Ghost Fit, and that was really how we started it. How and how long did you have it? Did you not once you started uh, Ghost Fit? Did you not have like a side job? No. So I was until until 2000 December of 2019. So basically, right before COVID, mm-hmm. I was cutting hair. Like, oh, you're still in the, school, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I graduated in 2019. Okay, I was like a super, super senior because I was playing all my years of eligibility for football. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so I was cutting hair that entire time, um, reinvesting some of that money back into mm-hmm. the business as well, um, just so I could kind of balance it out. Obviously, right away we weren't making money um, with GhostFit. You know, a lot of expenses and yeah, you know, a lot coming in right away. Um, so, so it was, it was honestly, it was kind of like a perfect thing for us. Yeah. Did you think about continuing that? Did you ever thought, Oh, I'm going to just start cutting hair after this. You already had a clientele base. Um, obviously it worked out anyways, yeah. but yes and no. I mean, I, the one thing that I would want to do, um, and I, I still would want to do this. I think it'd be a, a really dope idea to like, so the, the way I think about this and it came from cutting hair in the bathroom. So people that were like working out would want to get their hair cut. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're also into fitness. Right. And, and it, it correlates. Right. If you you know care about, you know, how you look and how you feel, you probably mm-hmm. want to have a good haircut as well. They all kind of go together. Um, so if I created a gym, right, like mm-hmm. a dope ass gym, right, like an outside sort of vibe with like the garage doors, fucking music, kind of just like a you know, uh, old dungy, not dungy in like a nasty place, but like, you know, barbells, shit like mm-hmm. that. Kind of badass. Um, yeah. Badass gym, right? Like a kind of like a gold's kind of atmosphere with like a really high end barbershop that was like integrated into the gym. Like that'd be so sick. You know that'd what I mean? be sick. And it would just, it would just remind me of, you know, cutting <laughs> hair in, in the St. Thomas bathroom. So um, yeah, I've had similar yeah. ideas like that before. I'm yeah. just like a men's I mean, obviously women too. So maybe just in general, like a spa, like a whole spa integrated, like everything, fitness, health and wellness looks wise, kind of like you're saying, all also incorporated with the gym because that same shit, I think that'd work perfect. You could have your ghost fit apparel in there. Exactly. Be the, obviously yeah. ghost fit gym. Ghost fit gym, ghost cuts. Like that's what people would always. So when people would, you know, pay me or whatever, they would, it would always, they would, I don't know who started, but it was just ghost cuts, right? Like, Okay. That was sort of like that was a nickname that I got Ghost from my brother when I was back in high school playing football. He just yeah. randomly called me Ghost after one of the games, and so that just sort of like stuck. So with every so Ghost Fit is obviously Ghost and plus fitness, right? That was sort of how that name came about. It not it's not nothing fancy, right? But yeah. uh, it was just something that I thought about when I first started the business, and then you know people started calling it Ghost Cuts, and then right. So I think that name that that like legacy of the name, which is kind of interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it would be cool to kind of like, you know, create like a ghost LLC where, you know, we had ghost cuts, ghost fit, right? Ghost gym, like whatever that is, like that, that that's something that I definitely want to do in the future. Well, you could do it. Yeah. You no, should exactly. definitely do it. I, yeah. I, I did a semester abroad in college and there's a massive company over there called Easy Company. And you didn't realize it at first, but like there's easy jets. So I was like, Oh, it's an airliner. And then just driving around London, you'd see easy, like everything easy. There was like easy storage, easy gyms. I went to an easy gym. It was just like, dude, they own everything. Yeah. 
dude that's insane yeah and that, that like what once you become like a mogul in it i feel like you you not that you become unstoppable but like when your network gets that big like there's so like i said there's so many different opportunities that mm-hmm. you know you have access to now um and that that i i think ghost fits the start of it right um what's the saying like if you're first, if you think your first job is going to be your last, like you're an idiot, like something like that, like that, whatever that saying is, like I think Ghostfit's going to kind of start this off for us. Um, and I, this is my baby. I think it's always going to be something that you nurture in a different way than mm-hmm. everything else. Um, but I, I th- it would be cool to have a business where it's less about thing about Ghostfit is that it, it's so personal to me, right? And it's all about like connections and um, you know, like the brand and the vision and right there, there's so much that goes into, but it, it would be kind of cool too, to have a business that was just kind of more about like the funds, right? Like a more focus on money that could help fund other ventures as well. Mm-hmm. Um, whether, I, I mean, I don't know exactly what that is. Um, you know, I think if I started a gym as well and, you know, a barbershop, that would really be more on like the ghost fit side where it's more about the relationship and stuff but mm-hmm. you could create something that was more th- that would help fund all these other business ventures i think that'd be really cool something that you don't have to spend as much like man hours yeah on, if that makes sense yeah be interesting what what that would be yeah um one thing i was going to say what i forgot earlier is that <laughs> it came back to me. Oh, this um, is it. <laughs> yeah, this is the money one. Because we were talking about money and passion and something that I came to a conclusion for myself and just kind of realized, and it's obvious once you think about it, like anybody at the top of any industry gets paid well, like they live well. So if you do something that you're passionate about and that you're actually going to like do the extra work for and that you're actually going to work hard towards, and give yourself a shot to be great at it. Like you're going to, you're going to do fine financially, like anything. I mean, even like the top barbers in the world probably making millions of dollars. You're right. They're probably cutting hair for celebrities or Royal people or just high class people around the whole world, wherever that is, whatever city that is. And I always think about like training, like training is something I've thought about doing. Like trainers oftentimes don't make a ton of money, but a bit like the number one trainers in New York or LA or Chicago, or even Minneapolis, I bet they make, really good money like so whatever it is if you have passion for it then you give yourself a shot to be like really good at it so if you have like passion for starting apparel like you're having success like you could be one of the biggest apparel companies in the world so don't worry about like the money kind of like what you're saying i know that's kind of off topic now but that's that's what i was trying to say before no, no i i think that's i i this ties this ties the subject well together so well so like you said like even barbers right um you know when you have that passion for it um, so one, so when we first started ghost fit, our first ever shirts, right. Yeah. Um, like I said, so I, you know, my brother used to cut my hair, you know, I used to watch, you know, barber videos. There's this guy named Chris Basio, who I started watching when I was in eighth grade mm-hmm. and he was a barber. Right. And I just loved watching like the transformations. I don't know if you've seen any of them on, mm-hmm. you know, uh, YouTube. So like, you know, they'll have this guy who grew his hair out for, you know, an entire year and then barbers will come in and clean it up and it looks, mm-hmm. you know, 10 times better. Anyways, this guy, Chris Basio, um, my brother used to always watch him because that's how he was kind of learning how to cut hair. And then, you know, I started watching him as well. And anyways, I, I really started watching him, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, because I knew that, you know, I was starting to get into that, you know, realm as well. Um, 
And anyways, you know, he was kind of blew up on YouTube. I think he has like, you know, 400,000 followers now on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And um, so basically what he started to do is he he was just an average bar rep first recording the stuff. Then he kind of started blowing up. So then he started doing like tours. So he would go around um, the U.S. um, I think he went internationally as well. And he would rent out barbershops and then people would pay to like come in and watch him cut hair. And then he would kind of like, it kind of be like a class, right? So mm-hmm. he would walk them through exactly what he's doing. And anyways, he came to St. Paul. Um, gosh, this was my junior year. And, you know, I reached out to him. And so about two years before this, let me let me um, say, when, when we first started, go- when I first started Ghost Fit, I sent him out some shirts and I, you know, I put it like a handwritten letter, you know, in it. Um, you know, saying like, hey, my name's Josh, kind of describing like who I was, what Ghostfit was. Like I said, this is, we were like a, a month old at this point. Yeah. He ended up like responding to it, you know, started talking to him a little bit on Instagram. Um, and then fast forward two years, he comes to St. Paul for one of his classes. And, you know, I got to meet him for like a half hour before the class. And we we're just, you know, talking this and that, right? You know, he's telling me about, you know, everything that, you know, they're doing now. Um fast forward to now um you know so he he like i said he was just this average barber and he started tomb 45 which is his which is his barber brand and they started with a shave gel and um basically for those that don't know like when you use a straight blade on someone you put shave gel on their face so that their follicles become you know not not as dense um Mm -hmm. so it doesn't irritate the skin at all Mm -hmm. um and so he made this concoction in his in his uh, in his kitchen, you know, using his wife's utensils, right? You know, mixing it <laughs> together, you know, aloe, like whatever else he was using. And you know, he just started pushing them. So he started on Amazon, then he was selling pallets to other places. Anyways, that became like you know a million dollar business for him just just that alone. And then he started, you know, you know, adding other products to you know his, his product line. And um, luckily, you know, fortunate enough for us last year, we actually did a collaboration with them. So, you know, we did a bunch of like clothing, you know, Ghost Fit X245. But anyways, you know, you talk about, you know, an average barb or someone that's, you know, there's nothing intrinsically, you know, gifted, gifting about like what he did, but he was just so passionate about the industry, right? And he saw flaws in the industry um, and he wanted to fix those flaws, mm-hmm. right? So it wasn't about making a million dollars or two million or five million. It was seeing that there was something wrong with the industry and him going in and fixing it. And, you know, so you talk about like that passion and where, what it can lead to. I'm sure that he had no idea that, you know, his plan would lead to what, where he's at right now. But, um, you know, he, he knew that there was something that he could change. And man, like he's taken off now. It's really cool to see him do that. Yeah. I mean, that's perfect. Yeah. You don't think I'm going to be a barber and that's going to lead me to probably million or multi-million dollar business. Right. At least right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't at first, but something well, could, it could really happen with anything really. Yeah. Yeah. When the, the crazy thing too, is that I, you know, our, our stories are very similar. You know, he was a, he's a college basketball player. And I think that he ended up quitting after his freshman year and he started YouTube. So mm-hmm. like, there's just, you, you know, you, you see these, you see these opportunities that, you know, go wayside because of, you know, whether you get injured or you quit or whatever it may be. And, you know, you think like that's the one plan that was going to get me to where I wanted to go. And then mm-hmm. it opens opportunities for other, you know, other opportunities to take place. 
And, you know, sometimes those secondary opportunities are better than the first. I'm not saying quit all the shit that you're doing right now, but, <laughs> um, you know, if that happens, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, those people that take advantage of those secondary opportunities, you know, are ones that just aren't going to give up. Right. And I mm-hmm. think that's the, that's the punchline with it all. Like just because shit doesn't go your way, just continue to move and eventually something's going to happen from that. Yeah. I mean, that's just like the rock. I'm sure you've read his story. It's kind of like, sounds like what you're saying for yourself is thought he was going to be in the league, thought he was going to be in the NFL, played the CFL, I think a little bit, got cut. Football didn't work out for him. Obviously became like a superstar in WWE and now acting like, yeah, just crazy. He took yeah. he took advantage of that secondary opportunity, just like you're saying. You can't really get bigger than the rock is right exactly. now. Exactly. Mean. <laughs> it's for real. Man might uh, run for president, it looks like. <laughs> right? You keep hearing that. Yeah. Vote for the rock. Right. But one thing I wanted to ask about uh, kind of those NFL guys again, what is like the biggest surprise maybe with just the whole process of kind of doing contracts like that and working with them and, and having them uh, be, what would you call ambassadors or affiliates? Of, of um, ghost fit yeah so the question was like what's like the most surprising thing about it yeah either maybe their impact or just the relationship having to deal with them or maybe something with the agent like kind of what, what caught you off guard the most like it's good or bad yeah um i think the bit the business side of it is really so when i when you think when most people think about nfl players right like you think about them being these phenomenal athletes right um, which obviously they clearly are. Um, but one thing that I didn't realize is these guys, these, the, the, the agents are always trying to get these guys money, right? Even whether it's during the middle of the season, whether they're, you know, a week out from the Super Bowl, like they're always trying to get these guys money. Um, so for instance, we worked with one NFL player that, um, you know, he was endorsing, he's endorsing a collaborative uh, product that we were working on. And, um, the company that we were working with paid him 2,500 bucks for a 30 second video that he just took on his cell phone. I was like, Hey, this is the product that I'm endorsing, blah, blah, him wearing it. Right. Like these agents are always reaching out to brands, trying to get their athletes money because obviously the agents get money off of that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's just like two, there's two sides to the coin. Obviously these players are them themselves are focusing strictly on football but their agents are always focusing on getting them money getting them endorsement deals um so like that business side of the nfl is absolutely insane like they're they're always always doing stuff on like the professional side um with businesses as well like while they're while they're playing while they're practicing uh, year round it's it's kind of crazy to see so just the business engine of yeah the the, the whole behind the scenes stuff is just constant basically Dude, yeah it's 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 constant it's um always trying to one up right so like you sign them for three months and they're like all right now we want to sign them for longer we want more money like there's it's just always they're always in in rotation when it comes mm-hmm. to more money yeah and not 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 in like a bad way like obviously like i said they they help your brand but um i'm sure in the 70s and the 80s it was never like this yeah you know? Dealing with agents, I bet that's got to be a new thing. <laughs> Professional, legitimate agents. Yeah, they're, they're probably wheelers and dealers. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. They, they come in all different shapes and sizes, right? There, there's some people that are super formal, super professional. Um, and there's other agents that, you know, you see on their Instagram that are partying the clubs with them. Like yeah. some of their agents are, you know, their homeboys from, you know, them growing up. Some people are, you know, an actual agency that they hire. So um, that's really just like being transparent. Um, you know what I mean? Like, for me, obviously, you kind of have to be a chameleon in that sense. You know, if you're working with someone that is very formal, you kind of have to match that, you know, same personality. But then yeah. when you're meeting with someone that's, you know, like you just like more casual, like a just a regular conversation. Like I would say the majority of the agents that we work with are, you know, more of this sort of conversation. Yeah. Where it's like, here's my guy. Obviously, we want to make him money. You know, he's really busy. Like, let's figure out how, how it can work. Um that's who, not saying that I don't like to work with professional agents, of course, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I do, I'd, I'd, I'd love to work with any sort of agent, um, but this is a bit more of like how the conversation flows. So it's not really like, I think that's sort of like the facade, like when you see stuff like on like TV and stuff, like everything looks very professional, but in the reality of it, like this is what I would say at the end of the day, like it's all the same shit. People are trying to make money and people are trying to like help other people. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you do it in an authentic way, and that, I think this is kind of how I learned it. Like when you do it in an authentic way, it's more, more likely than not, it's going, going to happen if it's an authentic way rather than being like salesy about it. Right. So like, yeah. you know, you just get a lot of just regular ass people that, you know, are working for these multimillionaires <laughs> and it's, that's just kind of how it works. It's not as like businessy, you know, suit and tie as you would think it might yeah. be. So that's surprising to me. I wouldn't have expected that myself. Obviously, you know, some guys, yeah, kind of bring on their own manager maybe, but I would, I would have thought it would have been the opposite, like more professional, kind of more unlikely just to kind of have those casual guys. But that's kind of cool, honestly. Yeah. No, I mean, so you, you see the professional side when you are like signing contracts and like doing documents because all that has to be laid out in a specific way, like yep. lawyers get involved, like things of that nature. But when you're just having conversations, I mean, you know, you're, you know, sometimes they're fucking drinking a beer They're mm-hmm. you know, they, they swear a little bit. They're, I mean, they're just, they're just being an average human being, you know what yep. I mean? It's just that, you know, you're just working with a little bit more money. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, bro. That's really actually cool. Just to even, like you're saying, dreams to be in the NFL, maybe playing didn't exactly work out, but just still being around the league and having your job be, uh, obviously, like you said, it's not all you're doing, but hopefully that part will grow for you. But still just being involved with those guys and the whole process of the NFL, I still think would be exciting because then you're still around football. You're still just involved in that world and kind of gets that itch a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I think, like I said, I, I kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier, but just having that network, right? Mm-hmm. Um, being able to have like, and by no means do we have an NFL network, like we're not there yet. Hopefully yeah. we get there soon, yeah. relative. Um, but having like a professional network with, you know, so, we, you know, working with different sort of banks and, you know, financial planners, things of that nature, like having that realm of it, having a you know, like a fitness network with, you know, the gyms in Minnesota and we're working with some in California, Florida and Texas, having that realm. And then, you know, having sort of, you know, these NFL guys, like having all different sorts of realms um, of network. I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome because it's, it allows you to diversify your portfolio 
right? Which, you know, when gyms were all shut down, mm-hmm. you know, that's probably not the best people to sell to, right? But these NFL guys, you know, still want stuff. Um, you know, banks and financial planners, like they still need stuff for, you know, outings, right? So it, it just gives you a little bit more assurity. Um, and once I can figure out how to like overlap all of them, I, I think that's where we're really gonna, you know, excel at. Yeah, it's all, it's all fun. It's all strategy. That's the thing. Once you kind of realize, I mean, I don't run an actual, I don't run a business myself, but just speaking with other people who are, and I, I went to school for finance. So like we talked a lot about business and things. And once you do realize it's just strategy, like there, there's rules, obviously like tax and financial things that you have to follow and laws, but the actual kind of like you're saying, the, the people side of business is just like strategy making connections, you know, benefiting everybody, at least the best to your ability, being authentic. Like that, that kind of seems a lot more fun than just numbers. Right. Well, that's, there's no, like, there's no like game. There's no rule book. There's no game plan. It's, yeah. I feel like you can't really teach hustle, right? Like you either have it or you don't. Um, I mean, I guess you can be influenced by it, right? If a lot of people around you are hustling, I'm, I'm sure that you can pick up a game from that, but um I think the biggest thing about me is that I would always rather bet on myself than anyone else. Right. And not, mm-hmm. not in like an egotistical way, but more in the fact that I know how hard I work when I'm passionate about something. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what this is. You know, I'm my days, right. If you were to ask like what my days look like, <clears throat> it's waking up, it's cold calling, emailing gyms, right. Always trying to get more, you know, business from that end. It's being on Instagram, reaching out to influencers, reaching out to, um, you know, NFL players, reaching out to, you know, anyone that can help, um, you know, push our brand further, mm-hmm. um, you know, setting up meetings, right. Driving to businesses, right. Just doing anything to help get our name out there, help drive sales, um, you know, trying to connect with anyone in the industry that I think can help us, right. There's, it's really just like hustling. It's really, that's the, I feel like it's just the core of that, right? There's you know, no one tells me, hey, you got to wake up and you have to reach out to this many businesses. You have yep. to DM this many people on Instagram. But like to me, that's just like natural. It's like, all right, if I can get this person on board with us, that's going to help us, right? Mm-hmm. If I can, you know, put out this ad because it's going to, you know, drive in this many sales, like that's what I'm going to do. Like that's what's fun for me because it's almost like a, it's almost like a game, right? It, it's, you're trying to figure out how the hell to win. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, like I said, it's trial and error. Like you, does this work? No. All right. Ditch it. Does that work? Yes. All right. Like, how do we, you know, triple down this now? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a always like evolving sort of game. It seems like. Do you have an ad strategy? Yeah. So um, we actually work with a few people well, in the past. We worked with the ads manager that really helped us. Do you know much about funnels? Have you heard of that term before? Oh, click funnels. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, well, not, not click. Well, ClickFunnels is one, but so I th- if I'm, if I'm, if we're thinking about the same thing, like a ClickFunnel is like on like a website where they'd click on like a, on like a bunch of shit until they get to like buy our product now. Is that kind of? I think so. so. I mean, I'm not super familiar with it either myself. I've just spoken about it with another friend of mine, very, very little, yeah. but yeah, I think that's uh-huh. kind of what it is. Yeah. So more of like our strategy is, um, Basically, we do like a lot of retargeting. So people that have been on our website, we will create ads specifically for those people that will retarget them if they've been on our ad on our website in the past like 30 to 120 days. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have that ad strategy for like Facebook and Instagram ads. And obviously we do email marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so whenever you buy a product you put in your information we're able to send you guys like promotions um new apparel that's dropping right things that are relevant to the company um and then you know influencers like that's a huge one right mm -hmm. so you get people to know where your product endorse it um um you know repost tag you in it things of that nature right so there's a lot of like different ways to do that um i, I think one thing that kind of like separates us as well in that in the you know influencer realm so the way that i always think about this is when you work with someone right it's a uh, you put in like a lot of energy to that person, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you have to get to know them. You got to figure out, you know, what they like, what they dislike, um, kind of like their audience, right? There's, there's a lot that you, I guess you don't have to do that. But for me, that's the most beneficial because then I can look at a person and be like, all right, this is going to work or this isn't. So mm -hmm. every time we work with someone new, um, especially like if I'm DMing people like, hey, you know, love if you, you know, could we send you a free apparel for you to try, tag us, this and that. Before I ever send out apparel, 100% of the time, I always get on FaceTime with that person because I want to get to know them. I want them to get to know us. And like, if I can't just like sit down and have a casual conversation with someone, then I don't want to work with them. Like, it's not worth it to like spend my time and my effort to send you out apparel if like we don't connect in that way, because it has to be more than just business, right? It has to, you have to have like a personal relationship. That's what I feel at least um, to make it become long-term. So that's like, when I do that, I feel like that helps us so much more in actually like fulfilling like what that duty of sending out free apparel is supposed to do rather mm -hmm. than just DMing a bunch of people, send them out free apparel. They post one time, you know, you send out yeah. 73 bucks and you may get an order, right? Like it, that, that's not very personal to me. And I feel like I'm just kind of like wasting their time. They're wasting ours in a sense. Yeah, I get that completely. It's, it's, you're just making a personal connection. So then it is both. It is business. You guys are benefiting each other, but yeah, you're not just some stranger who's like, right. Oh, cool. I got a shirt from this guy, whatever. Right. And I think when you treat people, you know, like family and you treat people like human beings, I know that sounds weird, but you know, a lot of people on, you know, when it comes to business, they just treat you as an end to a means to an end, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm just going to send him apparel and we're going to get money from him. And that's just kind of that transaction. Mm -hmm. But when you actually treat someone like a person as they are, like you get, you get other added benefits, right? Um, so for instance, so say I send out apparel to someone that, you know, I actually have a relationship with, they might post some stuff for free for us. They might tell mm -hmm. a few more of their friends because not only do they like their brand, but they like me as an owner that is kind of providing that vision for the brand, right? It, it's, it makes it more real. It makes it uh, uh, it makes it feel like it's more than just a product that they're receiving, right? They're receiving a service and that service is, you know, feeling comfortable around, you know, brand feeling like they're welcomed, right? That's, that's really important nowadays. Yeah. I believe that I, to me, that'd make the most sense as well. Right. Cause it's mean, then, then they're, they're involved themselves. They care about it more than just some shirt. It's like, Oh, I actually like these guys. I like what they're doing. I like the message. I believe in it myself. I'll talk good about this. It's not even conscious either too. They just believe yeah. that if they feel that, then yeah, anybody at the gym, whatever, they're going to be talking about it. Oh, where's that shirt from? Oh, let me tell you about it. And it's just natural. Exactly. It's just no, I think it goes back. It goes back to the whole, like, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated. I know that sounds cheesy, but like, that's the truth. Like if, if I was in the way that I look at it, if I was in their positions, like how would I want to be treated as, mm -hmm. you know, someone that was going to represent their brand? Like, I don't want to feel like they give a fuck about me. 
because if they do, then it's like, all right, like I, I'm almost obligated now to reciprocate that. Um, and I'm not saying that our intentions are so that people will just randomly talk about us. It's, it's because I, like I said, if I'm going to send you out free apparel, that means I'm going to do it in the future. That means I'm going to repost you. That means I'm going to write it. It's going to be more than, you know, just me sending you apparel and that transaction. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I want to make sure that this relationship can go far beyond just that. Mm -hmm. I think it's good. I think it's a good, good, uh, strategy to have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been working so far. I was going to say, yeah, it seems like it's working. So what has been the biggest surprise? I mean, we talked about this with the NFL specifically, but it's in business as, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as someone who's in the apparel industry, gym industry, fitness industry, what has been the biggest surprise there? Again, good or bad. Yeah. The biggest surprise are, is just the emotions. Like literally every day you feel every emotion right? <laughs> so like for instance like today i woke up and the first message that i got is so we're getting um new shipment in um and we get all of our stuff from overseas and the first thing i get this morning at like 7 30 is in order for your packages to be released you have to pay you know this the a duties tax so it's like oh fuck i wake up and pay 500 bucks it's like all right nice like i wasn't expecting that right mm -hmm. And then, you know, then, you know, few, you know, few minutes later, you know, we get some people that, you know, started like reposting some of our products. I'm like, hell yeah. Right. So, you know, you get excited and then, you know, preparing for this. Right. And then after this, you know, we have, uh, I have a few meetings with businesses and who knows how that'll go. Right. So like, yeah. there's, there's, it's never like you're in one same mindset for the entire day. Um, and it's very, not confusing, but you have to sort of learn how to live with like that roller coaster of emotions. And I'm sure that it, that's like, it, it's similar in other professions as well, but um, it's just something that I never really thought about, right? Yeah. In terms of, um, you know, how frequently you're, I won't say that your mood changes because I, I think that I'm always a very optimistic and like quote unquote happy person. Um, but you definitely do go through like changes in terms of the way that you feel. Yeah, every day. I mean, anything can come up. Right. So you never know if it's going to be good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's, I think too, as, as, as well, just like anything, you know, the, the human, the human body is very good at adapting. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, you, you begin to get used to it and um, I don't want to say anticipate certain feelings, but you know, when things come up, I, I think what I've been able to do well now is, um, you know, something bad comes up, quote unquote, I don't think anything is necessarily bad. Like I had to pay 500 bucks. Well, yeah. I'm getting all this apparel that we're going to sell. Like that's not a bad thing, but it's something that was unexpected. You just learn to deal with it and move on. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's part of business. It's part of what I signed up for. So yeah. Don't look at it as, Oh my God, this horrible thing. Just, okay. Whatever this is, let me just figure out the solution to it. Right. Exactly. That's all. I mean, that, that's, a, that's all you can do. Right. I, I can about it but that's not gonna make my shipment come any sooner exactly <laughs> yeah and what, what was the you had to pay some extra tax or something yeah so um like i said everything's everything comes from overseas so you have to yeah. pay more duties yeah um so yeah so the, here you know pay us basically to allow your stuff to come yep. to the u.s <laughs> yeah and are you going through alibaba <laughs> um so Yes, but no. Okay, so basically, are, are you familiar with Alibaba? Is I'd, I'd assume so since you just a little bit, said, yeah. 
Yeah. I've looked into it before. Yeah. So for those that don't know what Alibaba is, it's basically like a foreign version of Amazon in a sense, but instead of buying a product as you would on Amazon, you can find manufacturers. You can, I mean, it's really a manufacturing platform. Yep. I mean, you can buy individual products as well. Um, but so we, when we first found our manufacturer, we went through Alibaba and we were introduced to, you know, the manufacturer that we're currently using, um, but we no longer use Alibaba. Now we just talk directly to the manufacturer. Yeah. Um, so I guess we use Alibaba, yeah. but not just, directly, if that makes sense. Yeah. Just to start. I mean, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's basically like a transition mm-hmm. to get to our manufacturer to find them. And did you, was that the first one you've ever used or did you go through a couple and like this product or this manufacturer the best? Um, so overseas, overseas, this is the first one that we used. Um, we actually used when we first started, it was like this wholesale company out in Baltimore. Basically, like, I don't know if you've ever heard of like Bella Canvas or uh, what are the other ones like next level. It's basically like wholesale products that someone had already created. And mm-hmm. then you just buy it's like a blank shirt that you can put your logo on. Like that's how we first started. Like we weren't mm-hmm. actually creating the garment. We're just buying blank products. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after like the first, I think it was three months, four months, we ended up going overseas. So we could actually buy the fabric ourselves and create it to our specs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we've used this manufacturer that we're using currently the entire time we have deviated a little bit. So we've created, what was it? Um, some of our women's stuff that we created in the past was through a different company. Um, I think there was another product. I think we had like a jogger or something that we used a different manufacturer for, but you know, some manufacturers are really good for one thing and Mm -hmm. not great for the other thing. So, um, so you, you kind of have to test the waters in that sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And are you designing your own shirts or apparel pants or are you having someone else design it or or someone work for you as a designer? No. Yeah. So I do all that. I have a sketchbook where I just (laughs) write down everything. Um, it, it was funny. Actually, I was looking at, I was emptying out my closet, like three or four weeks ago yeah. and I just have like old like journals and planners and notebooks and stuff from college and I would like flip through them and like you know one page would be you know <laughs> like math notes and then the next <laughs> designs and logos and shit. So, um no yeah I, I do I do I do most of all of that um we actually don't have any women's apparel anymore um just because I was designing all that I'm a horseshit women's designer um so i will be hiring someone out to do a women's apparel for us but yeah i'm not i'm not fit to do that yeah that'd be because again i we relate to a lot of things obviously growing up as athletes and i I thought about i was big into lifting i still am fitness um i thought about doing apparel for a handful of different times and i always thought it'd be hard to do women's stuff because i don't you know we know it fits guys obviously we're guys like exactly you'd yeah you'd want to have a girl probably when there's there's so there's different sort of like uh qualifications right so like say i create a t-shirt mm-hmm. i'll like try the t-shirt on i'll work out in it i'll wash it and dry it make sure it's see if it doesn't you know shrink too much if it doesn't lose its color make sure like the logos don't fall off right just make sure it's, like, <laughs> small, right you, yeah. those are you know those are certain housekeeping things that you have to do with every product yeah. but if i'm wearing you know if i'm making you know sports bra or yoga pants like i'm not gonna put them on and you know work out in them and yeah. do sort of things and you know in the past we had women that would try that for us but the one difficult part is um especially for like a smaller brand um 
maybe maybe the brand doesn't really have anything to do with it maybe it's just an individual but you get people that won't necessarily give you honest opinions and when they help you design things you kind of have like a certain connection to it right because you created it so if you create something you're going to be more opted to be like oh yeah this is this is dope right mm-hmm. and i think that happened too often with us and it wasn't as good as i thought it would be <laughs> right um so you almost need like someone that's unbiased to give you that sort of credibility if you know if they like it or not yeah so yeah they're just kind of trying to please you right trying to well yeah i, I think they're trying to please you in a sense um not make you feel I, bad yeah but i think genuinely right they you know they help pick out the product they help pick out you know the fabric the design so then when they get it in right the first time you see your product with you know your logo on it i mean it's hard to be like oh this sucks right just yeah. I mean, you, it's your baby you know um so you kind of have to have like a disconnection with you know ego and like the reality of you know this is a product that we have to sell to consumers and they need to love it mm-hmm. did you come up with your own logo did you design it yeah um which i don't really like it very much yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no um so i i started this three three and a half years ago like i said and it was just like a random day i think it was like it was like 3 a.m in the morning i was trying to outsource our low with other people mm-hmm. um and it, it was like a bunch of like cartoonish sort of like logos right yep. ghost of it right so a lot of the stuff was like you know like you know the ghost that you would see on like a cartoon right like snapchat um, ghost snapchat ghost right and yeah. i was like no nah, i don't want that vibe like i want something that's super minimalistic, um, whatever. And I ended up basically creating that Snapchat ghost and then just erasing lines to make it very, as minimalistic as possible. Um, and I think it's, I mean, it's, it's fine. Right. But we definitely are, we're going to go through a rebranding stage. I, I, I think, um, with yeah. the actual, you know, logo, I basically what we use now is just our name ghost fit. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's cool too, to be able to, because we aren't using our logo right people don't necessarily know us yet from just our logo Mm -hmm. so by just using our name that helps as well because you know people look at our logo well what is that i don't know well people just see ghost but what is ghost but now they can look it up right Mm -hmm. so it gives us that added benefit as well um and i don't know i i think it's almost like more sleek as well i think that there's a stigma right now where people don't want to walk around with like big logos on them right um it's more of like a you know like a lifestyle sort of look you know mm-hmm. something a little bit more minimalistic so you know that's that's been helping us as well from a consumer standpoint just putting kind of a little it says ghost on it right yeah ghost or, or making the logo small um no i mean so like all of our stuff now um it really just says ghost fit on it somewhere yeah. you know small you know sleek um, and that kind of goes with where our business is going as well like i said so we we have a ton of inventory and you know we outsource it to other companies um so since our stuff is minimalistic we can put other companies logos on our products and it doesn't it's not overwhelming with you know our identity on it even mm-hmm. though like we make it um it still looks like they're branded apparel which is super nice for them what do you, what do you mean by that are you saying for like the businesses you work with like say a bank? yeah yeah so say we work with um I don't know, like say we worked with like Lifetime, right? Yeah. 
we'll have a shirt that just says like ghost fit like on the tag in the back mm -hmm. right it's very subtle mm -hmm. but then we'll put like a big lifetime logo on the chest anyone that looked at the shirt is gonna be like okay that's lifetime apparel obviously yeah but then when they look in the tag and it says ghost fit created by ghost fit you know our website like that's how they know it's ours okay uh, so it's kind of like a two for one so we can still sell those products online which we do and yeah. consumers like that they aren't walking around with big ass logos everywhere but then companies are willing to put their logos on our already logoed shirt because it's not overwhelming for them yeah that's cool i didn't realize you were doing that as well yeah yep so that's kind of that's so when I said that we hired two salespeople, that's what they're really doing. They're reaching out to, you know, local and, um, you know, nationwide businesses, um, you know, basically leveraging the apparel that we already have and using that for their brand. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I want to switch gears here a little bit. 